the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. Um, but I wanted to start off with a quick shout out because uh, we had a lovely message uh, from Dennis Lowe, who's one of our listeners who lives in Kansas. Uh, it's one of those messages that just keeps you going, I think. So he said on Facebook, and I quote, I've not missed a single show yet, exclamation mark. Thanks for the great humour and curiosity you bring to your podcast. Oh, so I'm genuinely touched. I That's... was really touched. So that was Dennis Lowe in Kansas. And, you know, I mean, we get a lot of messages from people, but it's really nice. Obviously, we like nice messages. Any messages are good. But I don't know. That one just, yeah, touched me. I thought it was really oh, good. Yeah, no, thank you, Dennis. That does make it all... Um, all worthwhile that's fantastic and uh, it's really I, I do find it bizarre that um, we we upload these we do these files in our houses upload them to some sort of cloud system <laughs> I don't understand how it works and then somebody could download it in Kansas which yeah, I've amazing. I've never never been to. I only really know it through the Wizard of Oz. But, yeah. Um, it sounds like a romantic and cool place to be. So yeah, how that's amazing. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. We are back in our homes. Uh, see what I did there? Nice. I did see exactly <laughs> what you did there. <laughs> so um, last week, Ben, uh, we did the episode on Thirty East Drive. Yes, the Black Monk. Uh, the Black Monk. Which was great, really good episode. Uh, for those who've not listened to it, uh, go back, have a listen. It's good. But during that episode, we did wonder at one point whether, through the help of various books and stuff on the internet, had we solved the mystery of ghosts? And you've been away looking at that, uh, and we said we'd come back this week and talk about it, so that's what we're going to do, right? Yes. Well, that book is is kind of i think it's one of the few where it takes you it walks you through the phenomena uh and then at the end offers up some explanations which are you know they took in a cornucopia of different ideas but two yeah. of the ideas really really struck with me and the first one is this notion of um well it kind of it's the thing it's the effect that really dictates the name of this podcast because it yeah. goes to the quantum mechanical level of whether it is possible for humans or indeed consciousness to affect things in the physical world now um you and I came to this Peter a long long time ago sort of being wowed by the dual slit experiment which we we haven't covered in great detail but like you can look it up and have a look at it on wikipedia but um whilst i was researching the black monk and then i came across those explanations at the end in that book i started having a little look around and i found this article on a website called noetic.org and it's a set of experiments submitted by dean radin and lauren carpenter it's entitled Psychophysical Interactions with Photon Polarization. Now, that's easy for them to write. Not quite so easy to say. I'm not sure we'll title this episode that, but I like it. <laughs> I'm yeah, not sure I, I call it P-I-P-P. Pip, there we go. So P-I-P-P, yeah, go. These, um, we're aging ourselves again. Yeah. This experiment is based around polarization. So um, in case uh, you need an explanation of polarization, um, this is the same effect as you get with polarized sunglasses. So if you imagine light um, oscillates at different angles. So sometimes it is, at, if you imagine, vertical and sometimes horizontal. So if you were to look at a source of light uh, head on, yeah. you would and you were able to see all of the waveforms it would be going around uh, like in a compass shape and each one of those would be each each element that you saw would be an oscillating wave if you put a polarization piece of glass in front of it and say you cut out all of the vertical polarized light 
and you only allow through the horizontal uh, uh, light, then you cut down the glare quite considerably. And that's how yep. Polaroid uh, and polarized glasses work. That's why um, they're good for things like um, fishing, because you get you get to see the water clearer as well, because water will make some of those waves really come out either vertical or horizontal, and so you you end up getting a much clearer vision. Right. So what what they've done is um, they were taking a source of light and putting it first of all through a vertical polarization and then a horizontal polarizer. So what you end up with at the end. It, is you have you eventually eliminate virtually all of the light within there. I, it, I say virtually because um, those screens aren't one hundred percent reliable, so you get leakage. So it's like if you had um, you can try it yourself. If you have two pairs of Polaroids, Polaroid or polarized sunglasses, and you put them at right angles to each other, you can make them go black. So you can't see very much, but if you really hold them up to the light, you'll be able to see something, and that's because it isn't able to get all the waves because those materials aren't perfect. Do you see right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With you. So the hypothesis for this experiment was whether human interaction or human intention could affect the photon's plane of polarization. And they got inspiration for this by um, what is called the Faraday effect, where a magnetic field can rotate the polarization of light. So um, that is a well understood and completely sort of uh, not paranormal thing at all. But if you um, create a really powerful magnetic um, force you can change the way that the light moves and you can use that to manipulate light in lots of different ways i won't go into that now partly because i don't have the qualifications but i understand the principle of it so what they're saying is is it possible for the human intention the conscious intention to play the part of that magnetic field in right. the faraday effect so can that human twist the beam and that would mean that the way that they would know whether the human intention had done that would be you would have uh, a greater luminosity at the end right where uh, when you've put it through both the horizontal and vertical filters the light source that's coming out the end has a higher luminosity do you see what i mean yeah and and uh do you know if any of this was influenced by the dual slit experiment because there, there seems to be a lot of kind of themes that seem similar with the light and the well uh, and yeah yes i imagine it was but i think the the whole thing was was set up around the thing that doesn't happen a lot in mainstream science which is measuring the effects of consciousness on yeah, yeah. um things around us because those experiments they are they're tricky to get right and then i think even more than that it there is you know, an understandable reluctance to get them into mainstream publications. Uh, a, because to get into a mainstream publication, these things have to be peer-reviewed, which probably means somebody else has to do the experiment as well. And I think there is, a, like, like we say, talking about the subject in general has a giggle factor. If you are a tenured professor at UCL... Are you going to, in inverted commas, waste your time to find out whether somebody thinking about a light source can change its outcome? So let, 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 let's go through the list. They're really ex difficult experiments to do. Really difficult to get them published. And people will laugh at you and it could ruin your career. You can that's see right. why not many of them happen. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and you can see because this is one of those the way they do this experiment it you always add in like everything is lab controlled but what i think people find hard to come to terms with is the fact that um you have to put into the mix people's you know human interaction because that's what you're measuring so yeah. for these experiments um they sat participants about a meter from the polarizer setup and they were instructed to either relax 
or to concentrate on the light in the space between the polarizers. Right. So, um, did they did they know what they were doing, or was it to, to use a pun? Was it a blind test for them? Uh, no, they knew what they were doing. Right. Okay. Okay. Because uh, again, it goes back to the difficulty of designing these experiments. Yeah. Like how like it'd be hard to ask somebody to concentrate on some light without giving them a what they were trying to do yeah what they were trying to do but also with that blind experiment even if they do know what they're trying to do does it does it pull away from the result in the end that's the thing because it's not like it's not like now they know what they're trying to do they've brought a mirror with them they're still they're still there So so to summarize you've got you've got one group who are looking at this light, relaxing and not focusing on it, yeah? You've got another group who know that the idea of this experiment is to try and influence the light and are trying to influence it. Would that be a, an uh, idiot's yeah, guide? Well, it's, yes, although it's the same group. So they, they are... Oh, okay, same people. They're, they're the same people, yes. Right, yes. okay, that makes more sense. So, so when they're relaxed, they take yep. their attention away from the light, and yep. when they concentrated they directed their attention towards the light with yep. the intention to twist it. Yep. And and the idea with twisting it, if you recall, the, the reason why the luminosity at the end is, is a bit, but not much, is because nothing is perfect. So what they are imagining is that the intention, if it has an effect, will make the light, um, uh, the polarisation between vertical and horizontal even less perfect and then you would imagine that you would get more luminosity at the end because yep, the, thi- yep, the the the, the wave that comes through. out yeah the wave that comes out vertical from the source yep. it is inadvertently affected and goes skew well that isn't what happened it was literally the opposite right they wrote that they were surprised to find that the intensity of illumination decreased during attention periods right and what is also more fascinating than that is they are measuring, they're literally measuring photons, just like in the dual split experiment. It's not like, right. you know, I haven't gone into the great details of it because it's quite long, but it's not like they're shining a torch at one end and going, well, that looks quite bright. They're literally measuring photons in, photons out. Right, right. When concentrated on, they wrote, and this is a quote, Photons seemingly disappeared into empty air, either by absorption into something, scattered off something, or converting into another frequency by interacting with something. So it it does almost sound petulant, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) I'm not having it. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, Wow. And and so this is kind of... um, like that, that 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 there is an effect at all is bonkers enough is bonkers enough yes um but to do it to to do it in a way where it's like well seemed like you wanted that but no i'm just thinking what 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 else i mean i'm sure they eliminated all, all of these factors you know if you're concentrating do you breathe more heavily so you know anything like that that could have an effect or i guess they eliminated all of those possibilities did they uh yeah yeah so they actually did do some control sessions so they wet they they later on after this surprising activity they created a experiment where um laser light would be scattered inside a sphere right um and the intention would be so it the the light by the way is measured again by a, a photo detector and the intention is again participants are either uh, asked to relax or to concentrate and um what happened was when the camera detected an increase in beam uh intensity that was when the people weren't uh concentrating so basically what this means is that um it's very uh it's very hard to envision if you haven't got a um something in uh, a diagram in front of you but basically um when the people are concentrating the 
laser light diffuses less in the little sphere it's being bounced around in, therefore creates a higher intensity of readout on the photodiode. When they aren't concentrating on it, the light scatters all over the sphere and there is less uh, count of photons on the receiver inside that sphere. So again, we're getting the, the same result, but in a different way. So in one way... The first time they got a higher luminosity um, through lack of concentration, yeah. it was um, down to uh, polarization. This time, when you have a higher luminosity, it's down to lack of concentration, but it's a completely different mechanical method. This is yeah, down yeah. to light uh, bouncing all over a sphere. Yeah. So again, but, this is two different ways. Does the opposite again, though? Amazing. It does the opposite. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so they're they're able to say um, that th- there is these these experiments. The authors say they say they give us a small stepping stone towards the understanding of the role of consciousness in the physical world. But if you can make uh, light change intensity and photon volume just yeah. by the act of concentration then oh, no. what else are you doing to the world and this goes back to that um yeah. like the 30 years drive thing that that whole yeah. like if people are expecting to see something and they see it is that because their combined consciousness is is creating it and although the that experiment doesn't prove that that is what is happening, it yeah. shows that there Something's is happening. There, yeah, there is something happening. Yes, yeah, because you could argue it's the opposite. Actually, if you went there, not what just what we said on the podcast last week, wasn't it? If we go there and not talk about it <laughs> and not try and engage with thirty East Drive, will it actually perform? Because we don't care if it performs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And and when you look at um, other cases of hauntings, you do find. Um, I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not. A, I don't think a trope so much as a kind of oh, that's expected. So if you go into a haunted building and you don't know it's haunted, for example, then it people go, oh, the ghost is trying to get your attention because it's gone nuts. Right. And yeah, yeah. there's all that wrapping on the wall. Whereas, like all of us who really want to see something happen, the amount of times I've sat out, you know, in in supposedly massively haunted locations, you're basically willing something to happen, and it's you know it's tumbleweed, yeah. and like that <laughs> absolutely mirrors that experiment. It's fascinating, isn't it? And, and did they? Are they going to keep go- going with this work? Do they think? Is it or is it? Was it just a yeah well, one off for them? Do, do they? Do they well, say? well, th- well I, I suspect they will. I mean, Dean Radin is kind of known for anyone who listens to um, and reads around the sort of topics we talk about. You'll know Dean Radin. Um, this particular study is from late 2019, November 2019. Right. Um, I, right. I suspect probably you know. The, everything in the world may have slowed them down a little bit at the moment, yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out for more things that those two have been doing because I think they are that's really hugely, hugely interesting. Yeah, we should try and get them on as well. That'd be we should get them on the podcast. Maybe talk about some of the stuff. Because yes, they... although if we really want them to come on, they won't come on. Ah. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> screw them. And we don't care about your research and we won't do a whole episode on it. We'll only do half of one. Um, <laughs> and did they did they come to any conclusion of this in the end or were they just ultra-scientific and went... No, no, some, they just something said... Something happens. Yeah, yeah, they just said something happens and hopefully this, you know, this may lead to us further understanding our our knowledge and it's like, this whole area is fascinating isn't it i mean we've we've talked about it many a time you know it's like that thing with quantum computers when they're observed they don't behave it sounds the opposite of this experiment but yes they're the it's a fickle world the quantum world isn't it well it makes me think that probably 
when I was just saying like mainstream scientists don't seem to go too heavily into this, I guess you got to think that the military must be hugely invested in this yeah. and perhaps there are things going on in the in the background there yeah. but at the moment we're quite used to seeing like sony have got a um a device which can be controlled by brainwaves now brainwaves are very different to what we're yeah. talking about here because we're yeah. talking about intention but it feels like perhaps that is the next way that that technology where things are becoming brain controlled may evolve from like trying to read brainwaves like i was reading a study where um they got uh they wired people's brains up just you know by sticking um devices over their heads you know measuring yeah. um brain patterns and stuff and there's a computer was able to um create um a, a largely accurate i mean obviously given the constraints of what they're doing but largely accurate picture of what it is they're imagining. So they imagine a bunny rabbit and the computer pulls out an image which is not entirely unlike a bunny rabbit. But what that wow. is doing is mapping the the way that we uh, conceptualise what a rabbit is by the, the, the flow of energy, electricity, chemical reactions that flow through our neurons. Like that is one way of looking at it. But that to me is like that is like the hard version of it that is the assumption that um we're running wetware computers in our head and if you could somehow decipher the code of that wetware computer then you'd be able to get out of it a picture of a bunny rabbit or indeed anything else and then you get the tantalizing prospect of being able to put something back into it so you could teach someone french in two minutes but that is i think it's Similar but different to this, where we're talking yeah. about intention and the there's a, the as yet completely unknown and ununderstood force that goes between consciousness mm. and that device. And then I think that really, I think one of the reasons why people are perhaps um, pulling, not pulling away, but um, aren't embracing the study of this because it suggests that perhaps consciousness isn't something that is reliant on the wiring inside the human brain, but rather the human brain is a receptor to something else. Right. And perhaps if you, you're, it's playing a part. So it's like uh, the way that it makes sense to me is um, if the brain is like a radio receiver yeah. and it's receiving radio too, but with that brain, you sort of, everything's fine. You can hear Radio 2 on the stereo. Um, everything's coming in loud and crisp. And then you just detune it a little bit. And it starts sort of wheezing a bit and things go fuzzy. And then the output on the speaker, you've kind of got Radio 2, but you've also got another bunch of stuff as well. Yeah. Is the brain something that sits in between those two? So you've got a reception coming in. So part of that is, oh, part I can see that there is some light in front of me. Yeah. But to fully uh, understand what's happening with that light, it has to be processed by our brains. And the output is the fully tuned Radio 2, if you see what I mean. So we're yeah. a receiver and the output rather than a speaker it's our perception yeah. and then if we sort of imagine uh like we're trying to change reality what we're actually doing is oh well the light there i'd really hope that i would do x with it and lo and behold x is happening but because we aren't used to using that ability and because it doesn't make any sense to us in our natural sort of paradigm of the world we ain't very good at it and therefore we can only make things go slightly brighter or slightly darker. Whereas but if th we did get good at it, we could, yeah. you know, build a house. But I think the thing that's maybe, uh, maybe it's too much of a leap, but it's so intriguing about that research paper you're talking about is that the way you describe it of the kind of concentrating and not concentrating and doing the opposite of what was expected. It is a leap, but it does tantalizingly make you think in some way the light's playing with us do you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's got some consciousness of its own which is just 
even scarier. I think we also talked last week about, you know, could some of this explain Jot's in some way, just one of those things. And I, I, I had, I, I, I think you remember, I think I mentioned it on the podcast, one of the podcasts. I had a weird scenario with my iPod classic in the car. Do you remember that story? I'll, I'll, yes, I'll, I'll, I do, I'll quickly yes. refresh it. It was during the winter. I was driving. I got to a really kind of icy patch. I skidded, and my iPod classic, which has got about 30,000 songs on it, just at that point, as I'd skidded and managed to control the car again, said the pandas are skating on very thin ice. If you understand me, not once. If you don't, not twice. It's a world party song. Which I told I told about the podcast. It was really weird. But something happened this week. <laughs> so I've, uh, I bought a new CD player. So I've been going back through loads of my old CDs. And I was listening to uh i dug out two albums which i'd not heard for ages one uh is an album that i know you love ben by the orb the first album by the orb oh uh, yes uh with the really long so is it adventures of the ultra world whatever it is um the second album very different style uh nina simone called pastel blue so i was listening to those and uh and then uh, I went and did this drive that took me past that spot again. As I got there, on my iPod, which has got 30,000 songs on, it started playing the orb track, Earth, which is off the album that I'd been listening to just before I'd come out, which is weird enough in itself. And then on the drive back about 20 minutes later when i got to exactly that same spot again uh it started to play a nina simone track called be my husband which is on the album pastel blue which i was also listening to was the other album i listened to before i'd left for that journey now bearing in mind because people say oh well maybe it's kind of the algorithms and stuff this is off my ipod classic in the car which has got no internet connection has no idea what i'm playing and through my cd player at home which has got no internet connection and no way of uploading to any cloud or any algorithm of what i was playing now that might just be the most bizarre coincidence but it was exactly the same spot where i'd had the skidding incident with the ipod and that track with the world party track okay that is that is quite remarkable that is again like very light jot teasing very light trickster yeah and, and you know what i didn't even it's funny because i was thinking about this in, in the sense of being relaxed about it and when the, when it first happened about when the orb was playing i just went Oh, I was just listening to that at home. Didn't think about it at all. It was only on the way back when it did it with the other album, a track from the other album, I thought, that's a bit weird. And in exactly the same spot where I skidded months earlier. Yeah, no, that is weird. That is weird. And um, that that spot where you skidded, if I'm right, you were in a different car as well, weren't you? Uh, no, this was in the same car because my oh, right, okay. because okay. my iPod Classic is just in the car, so it stays in the car just plugged in. And I have it on. Sorry, I should have made that clear. I have it on random, and I never, I never go into the menu and pick an album. It just, if I listen to music off it, it literally plays on random, and there's thirty thousand tracks on it. Well, it's yeah. I mean, I know, I know track, it could have played any track from that album. So if you narrow it down a bit, to make the maths easy, 10 tracks per album, which is probably a bit much. So, so let's say it's got 3,000 albums on there. It still happened to pick two that I'd listened to just before going out in the car at exactly the same spot where I'd had a weird spooky experience with a song a few months earlier. It's weird. And I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, "God, it's that's some paranormal event," but it is strange. That is very strange. I'm. I don't even know what to think of that because it's so. 
it's it's such a small thing, but also it's such a big thing. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. And it's not like those albums are new. <laughs> you know, like Nina Simone one must be from the 60s, I would have thought. Um, yeah. Late 60s. And the old one, what, kind of late 80s, early 90s? I'm not very good with dates, but um, yeah. So it's not like it's a brand new release that you're playing over and over again. It was really odd. Um, but it did make me think of this. It's not that I was concentrating on it. So it's the difference between going somewhere and hoping to see a ghost and making something happen. It was almost I'd completely forgotten about the incident months earlier at that spot. And I didn't yes. make the connection on the way out, but on the way back when it happened again, I did. Yes, I see exactly what you mean. Exactly what you mean. It's, yeah, to, to see it, you have to look away from it. Yeah, yeah. And and this brings us back to uh, when we talked about 30 East Drive. So if you've not heard the podcast last week, what we did say was if you take this theory forward, that actually if you're desperate, you know, if you go with the premise, if you're desperate to see a ghost when you're in 30 East Drive, you're not going to create the phenomena. And we wondered if we went to 30 East Drive and did an episode but did it on something completely different. Didn't even acknowledge that 30 East Drive, where we were, or that there was anything spooky about it. Would that accentuate or create some activity along with the uh, the premise of that study that we were talking about? Um, uh, and interestingly, uh, we mentioned Ruth Roper Wilde, if you remember, in that segment, and said, it, you know, it reminded us of her theories around stuff and the fact that she looks at the data and uh we're very complimentary about ruth and ruth got in contact with us because <laughs> she listened to the podcast and she said oh guys if you've solved what ghosts are about what on earth am i going to write about next exclamation mark exclamation mark <laughs> exclamation mark all in caps uh and then she said she was going to stomp off down the garden in a sulk to pet her ghost dinosaur because we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about the fact that uh, why don't you see ghost dinosaurs? Maybe it's because people don't want to see them um, as much. Although in this premise, it would you would think we'd see more of them because people are not expecting them. That's right. Yeah. Well, I wonder because I do want to see a ghost Diplodocus. Then that's I why you've not one. seen one. That's why I'm not seeing one. Yeah. Uh, but Ruth then also sent us another message and said, if we are going to visit 30 East Drive, could she come along? Which she said, take me with you. And I think that'd be great, wouldn't it? We were thinking of what we could talk about. Um, it'd be lovely to have Ruth along for the for the ride when we go. Yeah, a fully vaccinated road trip. Yeah, I love the idea of that. So anyway, we'll keep you posted about that. But fascinating, this, um, this experiment. Yeah, it is. Well, the, like the other... There's another scientific paper I want to mention. So one of the other things that um, came up as a potential explanation for what was happening at 30 East Drive was uh, the notion of a parallel universe. So right. is there um, perhaps some sort of being or some sort of existence which is kind of touching into ours? And um, some of you guys may have come across this, but I certainly hadn't, and it... it um it only surfaced when i was looking around for it and this is um a, a scientist who thinks that he may well have found evidence of a parallel universe wow okay good so now you've, now you've you've intrigued me so um just before i explain to him what he uh explain to you what he found you're probably familiar so the idea um is that at the time of the big bang um there was a huge amount of heat and that heat gradually dissipated through this expanding universe. And there is um, an average temperature of our universe, which is 2.7 Kelvin. But that temperature isn't universe. Uh, uh, sorry, that temperature isn't uniform. And there is um, a tiny part of the universe, um, which when we observe it, which is particularly cold, it's not so much colder that you'd walk into it and go Brr, that's cold it's actually just 0. 0.00015 degrees colder than its surroundings but right. in scientific terms that is significant 
and it's uh, dubbed the cold spot and it is uh, thought to be a super void so that would be an area of the universe where there are fewer galaxies than normal and we're talking far fewer galaxies and people were particularly wondering why that may be yeah um and then this gentleman in 2017 he's um durham professor tom shanks he said that there could be a more exotic explanation for the cold spot and he argued that this uh, area was caused by a collision between our universe and another bubble universe and this could be the first evidence for a multiverse and right. billions of other universes may exist just like our own so this is kind of like what he's saying is if you imagine this is um you blow two bubbles um you know made of washing up liquid and you put them together the, that yeah. area where they meet yeah um like that a, is like what a, he like is saying diagram. this yeah yeah that that's that could be this cold spot that we're looking at i thought when you said <laughs> when you said he had an exotic explanation for this cold spot i thought you were going to say he was eating a calippo or something <laughs> <laughs> well that would be very exotic <laughs> yeah um wow because haven't those cold spots been... Uh, I'm sure they've also been touted as something to do with, with black holes as well, I seem to have in my mind, but that's just off the top Yeah, of my no, head. that's right. Like, the, the, Lots of people have been trying to work out why there would be far fewer galaxies there than anywhere else you know, in, in the universe. And bearing in mind the light that's coming from there is so old, it could be that you know, a supermassive black hole had been through there, yeah. Pac-Man style chomping everything. Yeah. That's yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, but in this theory is, you know, is he saying if you could get there, you may actually be able to travel through to this parallel universe. It's like a, like an intersection. Well, what he, he hasn't gone that far. He hasn't gone that but far. What, yeah. No, but what he's saying is that this is, it's potentially an imprint between our bubble universe and a subsequent bubble universe, which is right. having this imprint on the cosmic background radiation to an extent that we can see it from here. Right. And if if we could work out that that is exactly what was happening, then that means that, you know, we have proved that there are other universes. And these, I guess... Like the difference between this and the Black Monk one would be, um, and the Black Monk explanation would be um, that that feels like that is a universe, you know, almost an infinite distance away. Yeah. Yeah. But but we don't know the full properties of that. Is it possible yeah. that because um, we have bumped into this other universe, this other bubble universe, is there some reason why? Um, the inhabitants of that are, you know, are coming into our reality. Yeah. Like it, it's so, like again, it's such a bizarre and extraordinary way. You know, in many ways, it's much easier to say, "Oh yeah, it's just the ghost of a demonic yeah. old monk." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if yeah. you start boiling it down in this way, it does sort of make sense. Like, right. So if there is another universe and we can show that we've bumped into it at some point or we're still you know like bubbles in a uh in a jar we're attached to each other and there is this idea that there are only so many different ways that you can put atoms together so some people say you know well if there is another universe then you know things like elephants and trees are inevitable because it's just one of the ways that you can put atoms together in an infinite arranged world then maybe one of the ways that they go together impacts a council estate in pontefract it's like yeah you know it I, sort I, of blows I, your mind i'm also also in my mind i was putting the two theories we've discussed together that actually so so under this theory ghosts are are just this you know alien race that's uh from a power or no not even alien race a race that's trying to communicate with us from a parallel universe but if you go with the first experiment we talked about 
this is where they're going wrong. This is why it's not working. Because they're coming in here trying to communicate with us. But if they just didn't bother, did the opposite, then we'd be able to see them and hear them. Maybe it's them. Bloody idiots. <laughs> they just think, can you imagine the frustration? I've been going there every bloody day from our universe. I'm really trying to communicate with them. All they do is take blurry photos. <laughs> <laughs> admittedly i shouldn't have covered them in dust but you yeah. know <laughs> wow it's fascinating i yeah it's funny because i was i've been thinking about it a lot this week and it, i do i do wonder whether yeah it's it'd be interesting another kind of research project would be uh to see what theories people are willing to, and I'm assuming it's obvious, what theories people are willing to believe based on their um, their belief systems and, you know. So I guess for me it's easier to go for this fantastical parallel universe quantum, you know, scientific route to what the paranormal is because, you know, I think we've said on the podcast before the idea that it's, like dead people who I don't know have not crossed over to somewhere and are hanging around for some reason just seems too fantastical but I guess it depends on your belief system right well I think yes it does depend on the belief system but I think it probably also depends on your frame of reference at that time yeah so to us the like if you talk about like say the the Enfield poltergeist the idea yeah. that um an old man who'd had a hemorrhage uh, was coming back and speaking through the voice box of a young child then if you were to sort of for example take um an iphone and all of its associated infrastructure back to the medieval times yeah then their explanation for what was happening when you and i were facetiming each other yeah. It would have a magical, um, yeah. spiritual, probably demonic yeah. explanation for it. Whereas well, we knew it was technology. Right now would be just, you know, me and you are looking at each other on a flat screen in miles away from each other, talking into a microphone, and it's going to end up, like we were saying earlier, going out on the platform where somebody, you know, on the other side of the pond in kansas can listen to us yes yes so not only listen to us but pause us and take him on the move with him (laughs) (laughs) but that makes sense in that um if you could if you could only work out what the scientific explanation was for why um bill is talking through janet then it would cease to be paranormal by the very definition of the word and it would be an understandable thing that we could go oh well when this and this happens then this is what this is what occurs you know yeah. but no like the i don't think the hypothesis begin uh, we, we're not at a state where we can hypothesize um oh well if in this uh in this house in pontefract and then you look at uh this cold spot in the universe yeah. however many billion light years away that is uh, we hypothesise that, the, you know, if you do this, then you get the a black monk walking up the stairs. Like, we don't even... Like, I can't even form a made-up stupid hypothesis, let alone one that could be testable. So it's... It, oh, I you don't know. know. Give us a few minutes, we'll come up with something. <laughs> well, and a few pints. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's It's fascinating. But, yeah... Yeah. What do you want to be real? That is a really good question. I don't know. The more we've done this podcast, the more we've gone on, and I've said this to a few people, it's interesting people's reaction to this. It's, you know, I think I'd lean more to some kind of simulated reality, but I wonder if I lean to it because it just seems the easiest to understand almost the path of least resistance yeah to go that makes complete sense i mean 
yeah, I mean, in reality, you know, we were talking about the kind of we've said it a few times and it is a cliche but you know what do ants make of the moon you know it's a bit like that it's just it's i think i would love to have some scientific explanation that it's just you know like not under like you were saying just not understanding what a radio wave was you know what i mean so radio waves could have been sent out for millions of years to us still could be being sent out now we just we don't know how to access them via the right frequency you know what i mean yeah. it doesn't mean they're not there no uh, and i think i think that's that's right it it probably the reason why we can have romantic notions like i still think it'd be cool to be an actual ghost and then like run around annoying people by opening their cupboards but in terms of <laughs> Like evolution, I don't understand why that would be useful yeah. to anybody. Even if you take a sort of like um, a very, I don't know, spiritual view of evolution and kind of go, well, it's a soul evolution. What possible evolution to a soul could it be reincarnating, yeah. but sometimes getting stuck and throwing cereal? It doesn't, that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. The notion of, um, like being a simulation makes a lot of sense, but it's a very, it's a pretty dull one for one's own self because you're just a piece yeah. of code. Yeah, well, it's cold. It's quite a cold thing, and I, you know, when on a few times I've mentioned it to people, just because they, you know, often people say you do this podcast. What do you, what do you believe? And I say I don't really know if I believe anything. If I was forced to make a decision, I'd probably go for the, the simulated reality and. Uh, people look quite shocked when you say that and even can't it's almost like even that is too much to entertain as a theory so maybe the fan the even more fantastical is just easier to accept weirdly than the than the most logical if you see what i mean not logical logical is the wrong word the the easiest to explain yeah is almost the most scary i think is what we're saying isn't it yeah but it's it's you know it's as likely to be that uh as it is that we are you know the high school experiment of some super intelligent being yeah. or wh- yeah. whatever like one of the things that i was reading bacteria in another entity or something you know? yes yes um i was reading um, in a, it was actually in um, a journal of defense about uh, some research which is being done where they can project uh, an image via laser, but that the image that is being projected can be made to speak. So you can um, you can fire over a large distance, say, you know, at its you know an obvious thing, you can put. A, you can have um, the image of someone's face and it can be saying, you know, whatever you want it to say. But you could do anything you wanted. And, yeah. like, this this is in a mainstream um, scientific that publication. That would mess with your head, wouldn't it? Yeah. So it's being, it's being touted as, like, um, development of non-lethal force. Um, but there's only a matter of time before that becomes something that's really, really good. And then it's a, it's a short leap to kind of go, oh, well, maybe the Black Monk is, it's a projection from another, un, you know, another universe. Yeah, yeah. And they just, they haven't perfected it yet, but it's, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Like maybe they are trying to tell us something, but like at the moment, all we can do is make a ball of light which makes a noise which sounds like a detuned radio but give it 10 years and we'll have a perfect walking talking version of eric morecambe that can tell jokes on a battlefield three thousand miles away from the source (laughs) and then give that (laughs) yeah and then give that three thousand years and we might be able to have you know huge armies of these things um you know walking across mars for some reason and you know you 
because it's that we don't know something which is intrinsic to knowing all of this which sounds like an obvious thing but can we even know it when we can't even work out how we can make a piece of why we can make a piece of light yeah. change just by thinking about it or, or what we, gravity really is exactly <laughs> yeah. we we don't have the hypothesis let yeah. alone the answer I've, although i just had a feeling of your your laser projector from another parallel universe chipping up in my living room <laughs> and saying are you the quantum mechanics and we go yeah which one are you i'm peter oh, i was looking for ben sorry and then going <laughs> and then you never hear from it <laughs> never hear oh i thought you were ben <laughs> <laughs> um that's fascinating i do i still you know whether whether any of this uh makes any sense to our uh hopefully our trip that we'll make at some point to 30 east drive or not i still i still think it'd be funny to go there and not talk about it and do something else and see what happens oh yeah no we'll definitely do it i think the notion of like one of the things that i don't think anybody has done is well potentially within the realms of making paranormal media anyway go to one of the most supposedly haunted places in the country and then well, we won't do it on glass blown but we'll do it on something that yeah. is definitely not ghost sort of not um, paranormal maybe or yeah Although that would change the... Uh... Oh, God, I'll tell you what we could do. Just come to me. Yeah. Um, I think we were going to do this before we went into lockdown, but obviously we've we've not been able to see each other, so we, we haven't. I, there was this thing where you can do you can do a kind of version of the double slit experiment with some basic kit, not like massive... Oh, yes. You can with do it laser, with like a little yes. laser pen and... We should go and do the double slit experiment at 30 East Drive. Okay, let's do that. That's that a great seems idea. logical, doesn't it? Yes, that does seem very logical, yes. 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 All right, we're going to do that. Ruth, I'll tell you what, Ruth, Ruth Roperwald, if you're still up for it, we'll do the double slit experiment and you could maybe just have a look around and see if you can see anything weird and paranormal happening and, uh, you know, see what we find. So... Yeah, that'd be brilliant. All right, we're gonna we'll we'll make that happen at some point when uh, everything yes. calms down. We'll have to work on the we'll have to work on um, how we don't let her intention interfere. Yeah, with that's true. our experience. Yeah, but we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll buy her a lead suit or something. We'll <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll fathom it out. <laughs> definitely. Well, before we go today, that was fascinating, Bear. It's really good to follow up from last week as well, and uh, well done for reading those research papers. I've, read a few in my time you do have to kind of you have to plow through but really interesting experiment and uh the universe yeah before we go we uh when i just wanted to we had a great response to an episode that we did a couple of weeks ago called which was on interstellar audio where we talked about potentially messages radio signals whatever they are some kind of audio signals that or other signals that we'd received from our space and the ones that we'd sent to space so we talked about the Arecibo message which was a digital message that was sent space is due to reach its target Ooh, not for another 20 odd thousand years um we also talked about the fact that there are the two gold discs on the Voyager probe, which have music on them as well as uh, language and various bits on there. And one of the questions we did debate a little bit or talk about and give uh, a couple of scientists and other people's views on was the question that we've sent these things out in space, but should we have? And we've had a good response, actually, on Facebook with people's opinions i would say uh i'll read out a few of them i would say predominantly there were a lot of people who were unsure about whether we should have uh so uh emilio lobos sometimes ignorance is bliss uh, have people not read their history i think that might refer to as well you know the quotes uh from stephen talking about how uh, uh, Columbus finding America and what that did for the native population, that parallel. Uh, <clears throat> Brian Espinoza said, what if, an what if an intelligent race of human-eating xenomorphs got the message? 
Yes, although the thing with that is, how would they have evolved to eat humans? That's a good point. Unless we, unless we, our seed has spread wider than we think. <laughs> At my age, well, not not mine and yours personally. I, I was talking more on behalf of the human race. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move on from that. I, oh, I did. I did think though it would would make a good uh, what Alien Five movie if the Xenomorphs were coming here to eat us. Um, uh junior edward singleton said they were already here the invasion happened a long time ago matthew jackman said i personally think it's a bad idea if we go by how war like the human races chances are so are all races well hopefully a bit more optimistic than that uh well i think the theory goes if you're advanced enough to build something to you're cross, gonna be uh yeah, I suppose, though, the counter-argument that he might be thinking of, though, is we we eventually go, oh, do you know what, let's all just build one big spacecraft, then we get out there, and we come across the xenomorphs and go, Duh, we'll have to fight them now. <laughs> yeah, and back, so, back, back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, so, it's another message, actually, from Ricky Kerner, who said, uh, we didn't only send messages, we sent coordinates to Earth. Not sure it was a good idea, which is kind of touches on what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that is like a turkey giving his address to Father Christmas. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, this uh, I'll, go, I'll do a couple of positive ones in a minute, but this one I really liked from Ken Garrett. Uh, <laughs> in response to some of the comments, he said, "Laugh out loud, oh man, you humans, you crack me up." Which I thought, <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, people who are more positive about it, um, Steve White, who's a big supporter of the show and also runs the Paranormal Research and Hauntings group uh that we're part of uh, and from facebook he says absolutely we have a satellite that's been traveling for many many years that's been doing the same thing only on this particular satellite they're actually playing music and it's actually millions of miles away from us which is kind of, we did make that point isn't it it's amazing that these golden records have left our solar system now and they're in yeah. stellar space it's just the idea of somebody sitting there and working out how this thing works and listening to Louis Armstrong or Mozart is just amazing. Well, the nuts thing about that is, if he's referring to Voyager, Voyager is over 2 billion miles two away. 2 billion, which is, is that, wow, wow. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm going to close with, I love this, ex- there was a bit of an exchange uh, going on as well that got sparked. So Rick Baker wondered if... Uh, they were already here uh, and they were looking for cheese on the moon and Bridget Campbell responded I admit I do have some problems with Rick's evaluation that they could be here for the cheese on the moon but I suppose he could be right (laughs) (laughs) well yes I mean I've also been to the supermarket and they've been out of Gouda so I do have some sympathy (laughs) yeah well thank you for uh, everyone who engaged <coughs> with the episode and gave us your opinions i think we'd said on that episode just keep giving us your opinions on stuff so keep them coming and we'll keep reading them out i think it's probably the best and talking about them yes please definitely and um one day when we're able to we'll have a live episode and everyone can come along and um we'll all have beer it'll be great yeah cool yeah so thanks for all those comments and messages and um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna really pay attention, Ben. Next time I'm in the car and I'm at that spot, which I do pass quite a lot, and see what's playing and see if it's got any relevance. I might start doing a log. How about that? Of what music my iPod Classic plays when I'm at that spot to work out what's going on. It's right by a pylon, by the way. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but there you go. Well, uh, you'll have to show me where it is on a map, and uh, I'll do my own your own little research experiment yeah yeah i'll do some research yeah excellent well we will see you next time on the quantum mechanics please like subscribe tell your friends uh if you're new to us go back and listen to some old episodes uh and we will uh we'll be back with more quantum mechanicsness on the next podcast (laughs) see you soon bye
Are you the quantum mechanics?